On this episode of A Woman's Place, we're joined by Jennifer Rawston, training strategist at Albright Foundation, a politically independent, non-profit foundation promoting equality and diversity on the management level in Sweden. Jennifer's here to discuss the age-old problem of why women aren't better represented on leadership teams and what companies can do about it. Things like unconscious bias and stereotypes and old myths and ideas on who does what and why are obstructing us from uh, hiring and promoting uh, purely based on meritocracy. Hello from Stockholm, you're listening to A Woman's Place. I'm Sophie Miskew and this podcast is a collaboration between the local and Invest Stockholm. Jennifer, hi, hi. welcome. Thank you. I mean, we'll just dive straight in. It, It sounds like a fairly obvious question, but how can a company benefit from having more women in leadership roles? Um, oh yes, um, uh, it is an obvious que- question, but <laughs> still, many people are asking themselves this <laughs> still. Uh, but uh, everyone has everything to win, basically. First, uh, I mean, this is of course a matter of, of, of uh, justice and meritocracy. Um, at Albright, we work with meritocracy a lot, simply meaning that it's your merits that decides whether you're right for the job, not the fact that you're great to grab a beer with, uh, play golf with, or reflect yourself in which is sadly how it works uh, still in many places today. But uh, even if you shouldn't care about justice or merits, uh, if you just look at key figures and profit, you still have everything to win with more women in management. I usually talk about uh, four areas when it comes to why, beyond the obvious justice in treating people as equals, uh, talents, development, clients and profit. So if you begin with talents. Uh, For many years now, young professionals and students are reporting that um, what they look for in an employer is a good good culture, an inclusive leadership, um, titles, prestige, career, those things were highly ranked like in the 90s. But since then, uh, it has clearly shifted over to more flexibility, knowledge and caring about people and about the world, social responsibility and so on. So if you want the best talents to come work with you, you need to give them a reason and a sense of being part of something great, not a competition for titles and prestige. Uh, Because then most people think that they're better off on their own. And then uh, uh, development, for developing your country, you need your talents who now have come to you to to be committed and to engage in developing your company. And um, a quite recent study by Deloitte showed that 83% of millennials, they were doing a study on millennials, um, are more committed and engaged in their work if they feel that their employer actively work with an inclusive culture. And also, these millennials, um, as they say, they see this um, to work actively with inclusion, gender equality, diversity as an obvious business strategy. Um, that any company with an ambitions to uh, have this on their, their agenda. And also, we know that mixed teams are shown in many studies to perform better, uh, to be more innovative, uh, creative and broaden the, the client base. Uh, so that's talent and development. And then we, uh, I mean, we at Albright, we are, we are also, uh, out most of the days talking to companies and organizations um, who more and more often tells me that their clients and customers are asking for this. Because, of course, many of your clients also know the research that diverse teams are performing better. And if you're offering a team of middle-aged white men <laughs> who are overrepresented in our business life today, many say, okay, go home, come back and offer us something better. And then, of course, there's profit. Uh, This also shows in the bottom line. 
also several studies where you can see that diverse teams and more women in management or women at a critical mass, which is in different stand- studies over 20 or 30%, um, is what mostly correlates with better performance and higher profit. For example, you can look at McKinsey's report, uh, Women Matters, and also Diversity Matters, that they update every year. And the last one shows that companies with the most gender-equal management teams are 21% more likely to perform above their industry standard. And uh, companies in the bottom quartile for both gender and ethnic diversity are 29% more likely to perform under their industry standard. Um, Also, um, we see a clear pattern that more women in leadership roles correlates with gender-equal management teams. For example, in Swedish-listed companies, uh, which we at Albright look at, we see that when a woman is CEO, the management teams have equal representation. You have 47% uh, women in leading roles and also 47% in leading line functions. And line functions being... Uh, the best ground for leadership roles or board work or CEO positions. Whereas a man is CEO, we see that only 21% uh, women <coughs> is women in management teams and quite shameful, 11% in leading line functions. So, um, yeah, we see that women in management, they create equal management teams and then you get uh, all these women in top, uh, more talent, more clients and more money. I mean, there is just plenty of evidence that gender diversity boosts company performance. Um, So why aren't women better represented on leadership teams? There are, of course, a lot of answers to that one. Uh, But we usually speak of the things um, that we have in ourselves. We are, uh, in a way, um, in the way of ourselves. uh, Because things like unconscious bias and stereotypes and old myths and ideas on who does what and why are obstructing us from uh, hiring and promoting uh, purely based on meritocracy. And the less aware uh, you are about this, the the harder it is. Um, Bias, and most often unconscious bias, is something that we face every day. If I say military, you get a picture in your head. And if I say uh, prime minister, you get another, uh, another image. Even, even if it's hard today, maybe, <laughs> to see that we're, are we are going to get one in Sweden. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, anyway, this image of a leader, uh, which is deeply rooted in us, is often a white middle-aged man. Um, because that's, that is how they have looked so far. And of course, our bias is also based on experience. And that gets in the way of us imagining different and new things. Uh, so it's a threshold to get over. And bias is also a misconnection in our brains. When we think we recognize something, um, our brain has two systems for decision-making or action. Uh, It's very well described in the book of the uh, Nobel Prize winner, Daniel Kahneman. Uh, Thinking Fast and Slow is Mm -hmm. the name of the book. Uh, But you have uh, the first system, system one, where you get a fast decision and you make them on impulses and uh, without really thinking. It's instinct. And the second system where we analyze and calibrate uh, when, we were, uh, when we are put into new situations or when we are to solve complex problems. And we really have to think about it. And these two systems, I mean, they work together. They are great. They are there for a reason. And they were one time crucial for our survival. Uh, but the thing is that our brain is also lazy and wants to preserve energy. And which system, I mean, requires least energy? It's system one. 
Um, so this, this means that we use system one to make decisions for us. Even today when we have so much information flowing around and make quite uh, complex decisions every day, we do it without really thinking. Uh, instead, we base it on instinct or this uh, gut feeling that we have, uh, which is nothing else really than a real goo of stereotypes, prejudice, old built-in structures and so on, according to prevailing norms. And this means that uh, rational decisions based on fact, unfortunately, are more rare. And we function like this all the time, even or especially when we evaluate performance, competence and potential. So um, there are studies, uh, for example, showing that uh, tall people tend to recruit tall people. So just imagine if you also uh, went to the same university and you use the same expressions and references, if you look alike, if you wear the same type of clothes, etc. You get this instinctive good feeling uh, of belonging and understanding the other person. And this uh, gut feeling, <clears throat> this goo in our stomach, based on our previous experience and preconception, uh, makes us treat people differently, um, actually. And what is extra tricky about this is that this gut feeling reproduces it itself. Because if you, if you uh, listen to one of my lectures and you go home and you are sitting in a recruitment process and you think, okay, I'm not going to listen to my gut. I'm going to look uh, purely uh, on merits uh, and on paper for this. And you go against your gut, even if you feel that, oh, something is glitching here. I'm not sure about this person. But it looks good on paper. Um, and... Um, you hire someone that uh, doesn't look the same as the rest of the group. What happens then if you haven't worked with inclusive culture and inclusive leadership uh, all the way? Well, this person comes into the group and is not understood as easily, maybe. Maybe um, maybe doesn't laugh at the same jokes, etc. So after a while, this may lead to a feeling of not belonging or he or she doesn't fit in. And your gut gets this reassurance that you should have listened to it from the beginning because you haven't done your work all the way. Uh, and then we continue to form very homogeneous teams uh, where everything feels safe, even though we rationally know better. Uh, and then, of course, we have these uh, old myths to fight that women doesn't want to or that we need to be tougher or that there aren't enough women or... Nowadays I get to hear, but there are women. We see women in leading positions everywhere. <clears throat> uh, this year, women in CEO positions in our listed companies increased from 6 to 9%, for example. Uh, and then you get to hear almost this, other women are taking over. <laughs> but we still have over 90% men in CEO positions. So, well, it will take a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> men are really concerned with equality when the tables turn. Yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> uh, because all of this is, like I said, it's just old myths and there are no studies or numbers to back it up. But there are, on the other hand, lots of facts proving all this wrong. But also these old stereotypes, these uh, images we get in our heads also um, have the grateful position of being self-fulfilling. It takes a lot more work to change these images than to just keep on reproducing them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, other than whipping our lazy brains into shape, yeah. what advice could you give companies that are keen to get more women into leadership positions? Um, yeah, well, it's, it's mostly about awareness, actually, and knowledge about this. Um, I mean, it's good to, to measure, to set goals, but all this um, is to make everyone just aware of how it looks 
effects and what consequences uh, it gets and uh, where we need to put in some extra work to to fix it. And first of all, I, I like to say to everyone that uh, don't make it harder than it is. Uh, almost everything you do leads forward to something a little bit better because the trick is to keep trying and uh, failing or making mistakes. Uh, that is the proof that you uh, that you move outside your comfort zone and that it what it takes to to make change. But I usually talk about uh, three ways of doing right. It's about competence, it's about culture, and it's about uh, decision-making process. And, uh, well, <clears throat> about competence, you need to treat these questions uh, and these matters like any other comp uh, competence you work with at your company, just like uh, JavaScript or tax law or mathematical models or whatever <laughs> you work with. You constantly need to keep up with the latest findings and you need to educate everyone at your company and you need to keep your eyes and ears open to see who has this competence in your organization. Uh, and to treat it like any other competence also has the benefit to play down or de-dramatize the whole uh, subject um, because people people are almost scared to talk about this because you're afraid you might say something wrong or use the wrong expression or something like that. And you must dare to talk about it and uh, help each other to get better and better. So mm -hmm. treat it like a competence. And then about culture, uh, it can feel, feel like a big and fussy area, but if you want lasting change, you need to make this a natural and proud part of your company culture. Uh, you can use uh, competitions or storytelling or whatever works for you, um, but make sure to talk about it and have it as a natural part, like the millennials say, uh, of your business strategy and of your culture. <clears throat> what role models are you promoting? What are they representing? What words do you use? What images or pictures do you use? What does people both inside and outside your company meet in your communication? who is communicating what, and so on. So find your success stories, celebrate all progress, and be proud that you are working with it and that you are making progress. And then about the decision-making pro uh, pro processes. Um, most of the organizations uh, we at Albright meet uh, want to talk about how do we find, uh, hire, and keep women uh, and they don't see how the recruitment process or promoting process is biased, as I was talking about. And after we talked about unconscious bias and stereotypes and so on, most people understand that, okay, every decision-making process is biased. Uh, and we simply need to make it as good as possible by creating an inclusive culture, by gaining more knowledge about this, by treating it like any other competence, uh, competence that needs to develop. And by realizing that it matters, of course, who makes the decision, when is the decision made, based on what, and, and so on. So map out how your processes look and uh, try to make it as unbiased as possible by making it transparent and uh, involving more people and keep asking yourself why. Why did my gut say yes to this or no to this? So... Um, yeah, look at your company, measure, set goals, talk about it, scrutinize your decision-making and uh, keep improving your competence and uh, celebrate your success and, and be proud. Absolutely. Yeah. Jennifer, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. I'm Sophie Miskew and this has been A Woman's Place. Hey!